Reed's Ranch is proud to partner with Marcos Garza and the Garza Law Firm. Big weekend coming up. Cinco de Mayo, the Kentucky Derby. Gonna get my Mount Juleps. Gonna wear my hat and drink my Mount Juleps. Be careful this weekend. If you or a loved one finds yourself needing a lawyer, trust East Tennessee's best lawyer, Marcos Garza and the Garza Law Firm. 865-540-8300 if you need to get in touch with someone via phone. GarzaLaw.com, they got a text box. You can talk to someone 24-7, 365, either on the phone or on the text box. Again, be careful this weekend. Be careful with your Mount Juleps and your goofy little hats. Before you say guilty, say Garza. Let's get to today's episode. Baseball, some NFL stuff. Some penis tattoos. Let's do it. I mean, this is the last stand. You're listening to the unfiltered. Well, I hate to say I told you so. There's nothing to be done besides to get on Twitter and tweet to all my dumbass followers. But I told you so. Hey, I told you so. The controversial. He's a dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his haircut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. Let the goons be goons. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. Enough. <laughs> 38 in a row. As in 38 on this point when we were whipping that ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The Holy War is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes. Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all. Another edition of Reed's Ranch. It's Wednesday, May 3rd. Seth joins me down in Alabama. What's up, Seth? Not much, John. Good to hear your voice. Great to hear your voice. Happy Trace DeMaio. Likewise. What's new? Not much. It's been real windy. It's been real windy. Yeah, it has been really windy. It's been cold, too. It's been cold up here in Knoxville. It's, it, it has been here, too. It's It's been terrible. It's, it's been like the wind gusts were 20 miles an hour yesterday. I've had my, my basket out, getting ready to get all my spring and summer clothes back out and put up the the winter clothes, but every time I do, like a cold front comes in, I'm like, I need this hoodie. I can't put things away yet. It's hard. Well, since the last time we spoke, the baseball team keeps winning, and we know where all of our boys in the draft ended up. Which do you find more intriguing? Uh, The baseball team, because Hennon Hooker's not going to play this year. No, no, I would say not, but I think Jalen Hyatt's going to play a lot in New York. I thought that was a good landing spot for him. Yeah, they really, really liked him, it seemed like. Um, but yeah, the baseball team keeps winning, keeps kicking ass. Yeah, they uh, collected a scalp. The Mississippi State pitching coach got fired. Feels good to get back to getting people fired. Yeah, they, they got a scalp. Their ER, team ERA was in the 200s, was ranked in the 200s. So, yeah, um... The series itself was pretty boring, I guess. I mean, it was good that we came back. I thought it was good that we actually came back for once, and like we were down seven to two. And yeah, I was gonna say I don't find it boring. The first game we blew a big lead and had to hit a walk off, and the second game we had to come back from seven to two. Yeah, the first game was was more annoying than boring, I guess. I was just like, really, guys. 
you know. To me, the, 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 the most interesting thing right now is twofold. One is how will they do on the road, which has been talked about. And it's like, secondly, and probably the more important thing for me right now is, like, was Dolander really sick? You know, how does he look Saturday? Was he actually sick last weekend? Um, you know, because I thought he was really good against Vandy and then he was pretty terrible last weekend. So I'm interested to see how he looks. What do you attribute his season to? Bad luck, some of it, and lack of control. Uh, I, I attribute some of it to just bad luck, and then I attribute uh, probably more of it to lack of control. Just he's not as accurate. His location isn't nearly as good. Um, and then I think third is that people are just like he's the top, he's the hunted now. I mean, he was what everyone was gearing up for this year. Yeah, it's been disappointing, but the baseball offense is back. The baseball offense is handshaking with Josh Eiple's football offense, and we're scoring a bunch of points. Slash runs, of course. If only we could get Rick on in on the action. I don't know if you know, but we got a knockdown shooter now, buddy. <laughs> it's oh, connect, by the way. Board. It's connect. It's connect. It's connect. It's, okay. It's connect. And now I understand why. The basketball team tweeted the Connect Four gif at when he committed. Now that makes sense. I was like, when when I saw it, I was like, well, why are they tweeting this, you know, gif of this popular children's game? I was playing Connect Four earlier this week, actually, and at one point last summer, I would have put my Connect Four skills up against anybody's, but I got absolutely dominated three straight games. So I'm I'm down in the dumps when it comes to Connect Four, actually. Great game. You play ever? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an awesome game. It's an awesome game. Um, So I saw, I, I heard like the day after we did the podcast last week that it was Connect, and I was like, well, a little too late, but now I know. So it's Dalton Connect. Never too late as we have righted that wrong today. And I don't know if you saw, but with Connect, we connected in the top seven now. We're number seven on ESPN's top 25. Seriously? Yeah, we went from 17th to 7. Wow. I mean, not just because of him, but because of, like, Ledlam and Vescovy. Yeah, Vescovy coming back. We went up to number 7. So we're, you know, looking like a top 10 team preseason. Well, we'll see, I guess. So the offense might be coming, buddy. I hope so. I hope so. If if, if Rick could get that offense humming like uh, Josh and Tony have got theirs humming, be nice. Be nice. Tony's done a real good job, I think. I think he's done a real good job with this lineup. Is it time to have a conversation about Tony? I think he's done a great job this year. I think he's done, uh, I think uh, putting Lindsay Friday night really started it, turning it around. And then Christian Scott's been amazing in SEC play. I think at one point, so Christian Scott might have gotten an 11th bat. He might have gotten an 11th at bat last weekend, but at one point, at one point, after his 10th at bat, he had gotten on base seven times last weekend. He had gotten on base seven out of 10 times last weekend, which part of our problem when we weren't scoring runs was that we weren't getting walks. Like we were, we're, we're very, we're, we're towards the bottom. We might be very last in SEC. They said it on the broadcast last week, what we are, but like in walks in the conference, but like we, we weren't walking. We're finally walking now. And Christian Scott, 
is the most willing to get a walk. Like, going into the third game last weekend, he was two for five on the series with three walks. He had been on base five out of eight times. And then I think uh, he got two more hits on Sunday, but I had done the math. I think he ended up getting on base like seven out of his first ten at-bats. Like they're, they're willing to take walks. Like, Blake Burke is back to taking walks. He's back to seeing the ball really well. That helps. Just That helped. Like, Maui Ahuna is walking. Like, Maui Ahuna wasn't hitting for a long time either, but he also wasn't walking. Just wasn't getting on base. He was just striking out. Like, they're finally actually getting walks, which helps a ton. But is, is there anything you think Tony's actually done to do this? Or is it just players playing better? I don't know. I think Andrew Lindsay made a big difference. They've, he said that repeatedly. He'll never say what exactly happened. or It seemed like he was dancing around what exactly happened the week of the Vanderbilt game. But it, um, he's gone out of his way to mention moving Andrew Lindsay to the Friday night spot over and over and over again. He thinks that galvanized the offense. Basically said, hey, everyone's spots on the line. It's time to shape up or ship out. Get your shit together or sit on the bench and get some splinters in your ass. He did talk about one time, I think it was the Arkansas game, when Andrew Lindsay like came basically running into the dugout. And that was he did not start that weekend. Um, no, he did start that weekend. He came in like for the Friday night series against Arkansas, I believe, and was just screaming at the team. Um, so he must be a pretty fire guy. Maybe more so about getting this guy to be the leader. Is yeah, what you're saying. Not so much the sig- the symbol of like, hey, everyone spots up for grabs. No more resting on last year or your preseason standing. You think it's just Andrew Lindsay's like kind of a cycle and the leader of the team. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. And, and I know Tony has said before that nobody cares about winning more than Andrew Lindsay. Uh, I think that was just he's he's gone out of his way multiple times to talk about Andrew Lindsay. And uh, he mentioned him screaming at the team in the dugout at one time. Um, and he said that was when they knew he had it. He had what it takes to be a Friday night guy. Well, we had talked about how we had hoped somebody beat somebody's ass in the locker room. So maybe maybe something did happen in the clubhouse. Maybe Andrew Lindsay maybe didn't beat their ass, but maybe he threatened to. And that's when the boys woke up. And Tony also finally just settled on the lineup. Like, like I... I uh, like Cal Stark is not a good hitter. I understand that, okay? But he's he is exponentially better at the plate than Charlie Taylor. Cal Stark's not hitting badly. He's he's getting he's hitting the ball. Like it 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 blows my mind that Tony played Charlie Taylor at catcher for as long as he did. And Jared Dickey. Like just play Cal Stark. Like but, but the seven eight nine batters, the seventh batter on the team leads the team in RBIs. He can hit home runs from either side of the plate. The eighth batter is Scott or Stark. Stark is hitting the ball. And then if Scott's the ninth batter, we've already talked about Scott. Like, that's what your seven, eight, nine guys are doing right now. It's not really, like, of course they're scoring a lot more runs now. Like, look at what the seven, eight, nine guys are doing. And then now your one, two, three guys, your one through four, one through five, are actually playing like they're supposed to be playing. They're playing like they're talent. Like, now Jared Dickey is doing what he's supposed to do. He's hitting everything, literally everything he's hitting. Malyahuna is hitting the ball. He's getting on base. He's walking. So he finally settled on a lineup. But I mean, the, the seven, eight, nine batters in the lineup are amazing right now. They're incredible. They're doing an incredible job. A month ago, I had no shame or regrets or FOMO 
when it came to having a trip scheduled for both the regional weekend and the super regional weekend. As we sit here today on Trace de Mayo, I'm at least regretting being out of town for regional weekend because I do feel like we're going to be hosting a regional. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do too. I, I, yeah, I do too. And uh, I know D1 Baseball doesn't have us as a, as a host this week, but I listened to their podcast where they discussed it today at work, and it basically came down to the fact that they gave the final hosting spot to Dallas Baptist because they couldn't decide between Tennessee or Clemson. And they're basically just like, look, as soon as Tennessee wins a road game, wins a road series, they're going to have the regional spot. But until they do something on the road, we're not going to give it to them just yet. I don't know what it was Ned linked to in the Discord, but he had, what, a projection that Tennessee is going to finish, like, the number four RPI? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From It might have been from Warren Nolan. Baseball, they take RPI very seriously, Yes, right? that, that is that is the most important thing in seeding. So it's insane. So if we get to the top five in RPI, we might have a chance of being a super regional host still, right? So that was, like, it's... Yeah, Kendall Rogers. Ken, yes, no, no. Kendall Rogers. Kendall Rogers has talked about this. Kendall Rogers, before the Vandy series, said, "Like, look, the path for Tennessee to be a top eight seed is very clear, and the path for Tennessee to not make the tournament is very clear." Well, since then they've gone six and zero, eight and zero, nine and zero. Um, so yes, Tennessee can be a top eight, eight for for sure. You're one hundred percent correct because the RPI just goes up as long as you keep winning. If you go and you take the series from South Carolina, like basically, I think. I could see Tennessee finishing the, se- the season 8-1 and one in conference. Well, if they do that, they're going to be a top 8 seed. I feel like when we were talking last week, you said you just wanted to go 6-3 and three in our next three series. Yeah, I know, but now, but th- but th- but South but no, but South Carolina just lost at home to Auburn. Well, I wasn't even counting the South Carolina series. That was, that, was, um, that was before South Carolina. That was Mississippi State, Georgia, and Kentucky. You sit here and say, well, let's just go 6-3. and three. Well, no. Georgia just lost a series to Ole Miss after sweeping Arkansas. Georgia turns around and just plays terribly. And Tennessee keeps the ball rolling. I mean... The transitive property, you can't always do that, Seth. You can't always go... Oh, it has nothing to do with... Tra- it's, that's not what I'm doing. It's about Georgia not being... Like, last week, Georgia was in the NCAA tournament. This week, they're not. They were like the 65th team out. I mean, Georgia looked like they were a lock last week. Well, Arkansas swept Tennessee and Georgia swept Arkansas, therefore we're lucky if we win one game at Georgia. That was my voice impression of you. Okay. Being a whiny baby. So, I think Tennessee, you know, Georgia has one good pitcher. I think he's their second guy. They have terrible, they have terrible pitching staff. Everyone does except Tennessee and LSU. And LSU really isn't that good, which is another thing that has been insane to me. Is Well, Tennessee's been really lucky with injuries. I guess South Carolina staff is pretty good too, but they have injuries. Yeah, I was thinking about that today when people were talking about, was it Arkansas lost another pitcher? Yeah, I don't know what they did today. I haven't been on the Discord at all, but they've been, they've been, they have been, they have been traumatized by injuries in their defense. Seems like we have had really good injury luck. Yeah, extremely. Knock on wood. Any other thoughts on Tennessee baseball right now? No, I mean I. They are as good as they are now as good as we thought they would. Well, probably not because Dolander's still not getting it going. Nah, but I would say the offense right now is better than I think we thought it was going to be at any point in the season. The, the offense is better than you could ever have expected. I think. 
yeah. Like I, I think people had some hope that the offense would still score like five or six runs a game, but you know they've been absolutely exploding the last two weeks. I, I don't think they're quite as good as that. It's like that's not going to sustain. No, just that, that the fact they're finally getting some two out hits has to just restore all the confidence that has been lost, right? Like for as down in the dumps as they were on themselves, they should be riding equally as high now. So like, are they going to keep that up? Probably not, but they'll still be pretty good. They're definitely not as good as because they've scored like fifty of ninety-eight runs and been with two outs. That's not you're not going to keep doing that. Well, no, but all year long or prior to this run, they couldn't get a hit with two outs. So I think that they're <coughs> still really good, um, but I don't think they're quite as potent as they've shown. I mean, Mississippi State is really just pitiful on the mound. I mean, they can really hit the ball, but the um, but the offense has really, really gotten good. Really, really gotten good. Good confidence builders. All right, any thoughts? You said Hooker's not going to play for the Lions, so you're not really worried about that. Were you surprised at how far he dropped? I guess around? a little bit. I guess a little bit. But, I mean, like, not really because who – I mean, once Levis – I don't know. I don't really know. No, I mean, I guess some, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I would like a study on just, like, the hype cycle of the draft because I think we all kind of thought he was going to be a second or third-round pick. And then for, like, the last month leading up to the draft, people were talking about watching him to be a first-round pick. It was all about the Vikings. And it was more than the Vikings. Like, the, the people in Indianapolis were writing about how the Colts will take him in the first round. Like, they might trade down and take him in the first round because they want a veteran or, you know, an older guy's going to be ready to play immediately. And they have to end up taking, you know, Anthony Richardson, who is the biggest project of all the guys. I don't know. Just I feel like there's been, there was a lot of misinformation about him that made us think he was going to go higher. But if you told us in, like, January he's a third-round pick, we'd all be like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good, especially at the top of the third round. Yeah, I think it's good. I think it's – and probably m the most important thing is, like, it seems like a pretty good landing spot. No, yeah, I mean, I thought he would have made some sense for them in the first round, you know, even. To, I thought Detroit, I told you, like, a, a team like Detroit or Tennessee or Seattle that had a an incumbent quarterback that was either aging out like Tannehill or Kirk Cousins – you know, with Minnesota, or like that is expensive, that isn't quite as good, like Geno Smith and, you know, Jared Goff would be the ideal spot. And he went to one of those teams. So it does seem like Detroit loves their Vols. Detroit's, uh, I mean, their their idea in the draft was just to take third-round guys like every round, right? <laughs> it, seem, it seems so. I mean, like we're just, we're just going to take third-round guys every single time. I mean – it's not a bad strategy. Just take a, if you get third round guys in the fourth, fifth, and sixth, and seventh, you, that's probably a pretty good roster. The best part, the best part of it, is that when they drafted Jameer Gibbs, they panned into the war room in Detroit, and they're going insane. You have to. You, you, you have to go insane for every pick, or else people are going to assume that people are mad about the pick. So yeah. That is funny. It was so funny. It was just like they were, they acted like, I mean, you're right, they have to, but they were acting like they had just won the lottery and everyone else was just like, what? And then like six picks later, it's like Jack Campbell. Now, I looked at a lot of like mock drafts and stuff. The first two line, middle linebackers I always saw taken were Drew Sanders and Trent Simpson. And then they picked Jack Campbell first. And I'm just like, from what I'd seen, like he was more of a second, third round guy, and also, oh like, yeah, for sure, what they consider off the ball linebackers are are kind of a dime a dozen, is what they think. Like you're not, that's not a high value position. It's the the running back of the defense, if you will. So like, it was a very strange pick. And if I was a Detroit fan, I would be losing my mind that we had two first round picks 
and we came out with those two guys. That's what you did. Like, what? I can't believe two running backs were drafted that high. I mean, I do see the path for Jameer Gibbs being good. But, like, it it's weird that they had – that they were the ones that did it. Whenever they had also given, like, David Montgomery a, a nice, you know, free agent contract. They'd brought him in. They already had Swift. It was weird for them to draft a third running back. And, now, you know, of course, they traded Swift afterwards. So, I do think that could be a good punch between Gibbs and, and Montgomery. But still, to have two first-round picks, including a top-ten pick, and come out with a running back and a linebacker that you said, you know, was not one of the highest-rated ones. Yeah. Yeah, I just I, – I, I don't know anything about it. I just – I kept seeing Drew Sanders and Simpson as the first two linebackers always taken because there was a lot of like the the bills were linked to a lot of linebackers in the process because of Edmonds going to the bears or wherever. So, and then it was Jack Campbell. I, know, I was like, they followed Gibbs with that. I was just kind of like, whatever. Meanwhile, my Titans got two top 10 guys with their, without even having two first round picks. So tale of two franchises, I guess. Who, who are the two top 10 uh well, Peter Scoran. Oh, okay, okay. And 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 Will Levis. Oh, okay. What did the Titans draft? Eleventh or? Well, I was just calling him a top ten talent. Yeah, my bad, my bad. I thought you were talking about somebody other than Skaronski. I mean, you look, you have to t- you have to turn your head to the Titans at this point. They love drafting offensive tackles from the Big Ten. Well, it's, it it's got a better track record than drafting offensive linemen from the SEC because Isaiah Wilson didn't work so well. Um. And I know tackle. If I would, if I would pick any position from the Big Ten, it would be offensive tackle. So, and I, I mean, Titans fans, how do you not get excited about that draft? I mean, another tackle from the Big Ten, and a guy that everyone projects as a guard. Who else are you talking about? Taylor the one that was like a decade ago, bro. Jack Conklin. Conklin. He was an All Pro. He was good too. Those both those. Uh, No, I'm not hating. I'm just saying they love doing it. Lawan was really good. Lawan was really good. I mean, both of those are basically like eight to ten years ago. They just love doing it. That's all I'm saying. Those were two. Those are probably two of our best draft picks. Whatever happened to Isaiah Wilson? He got cut. Actually, no, we traded him to the Dolphins for like a seventh round pick, and then they cut him. And then he was doing like a rap video in Miami, and that's the last I've heard of him. Did the Titans? Did the Titans draft Jake Locker with the first round pick? Yes, they did. Number eight, if I remember correctly. <laughs> there have been some. I'm, this is not just in general. You go back and look at some of the people that were first round picks, and it's hilarious. Well, that pick, that that draft is extra funny. I believe that would be like what the 2011, 2010 draft, maybe. That one's even funnier because like every other guy in the top ten is like all pro, and then Jake Locker and Blaine Gabbert are there. Like JJ Watt is right after Jake Locker. It was just Newton, Von Miller, Marcel Darius, AJ Green, Patrick Peterson, Julio Jones, Alden Smith, Jake Locker, Tyron Smith, Blaine Gabbert, JJ Watt. Yeah, just all all pros except for JJ Watt and Jake Locker. So that's extra funny. So yeah, if those are the options, or giving me a, a, an offensive lineman from the Big Ten, give me the offensive lineman from the Big Ten. I'll probably be a ten-year starter. Is he going to slide in the inside? I kept I kept I seeing that. Oh, I'm not I'm not Mike Vrabel. I don't know. He's got short arms, but I don't know if that means he's going to go inside or not. But people say that Maryland offensive lineman we got was pretty good too, so he might be a guard. Maybe we got three new starters this season. <coughs> what about the running back's knees? There's no way he doesn't have cartilage, right? I, I, I'm a, like, as much as I make fun of the Titans, as much as I make fun of the Titans, the Titans are a billion dollar organization, and I refuse to believe they drafted a dude who has like severe arthritis in his knees already. 
You don't even need ACLs. It's fine. You don't want a running back to be in a second contract. We'll use him up in four years. But it's it can't be as bad as people are making it out to be, right? Go look he rushed- at uh, go look at go look at Brandon Roy's career with the Trailblazers. You know he he burned out, but you know you got five really good years out of him. They said the same thing about his knees. We don't need him to have a long career. We just seem to be like Brandon Roy for like five years. He he rushed for like sixteen hundred yards last year. Well, I was watching some highlights of him doing work out of the backfield too. Like I think he's going to be really good. Now. Can his knees get, give out on him in a couple years? Yeah, maybe. Maybe, but what if they don't? What if he's just good? You ever think about that? What if he's no, just he, good? He, he looks really good. That's why I'm confused. Like, people are talking about him like he was a monster at Tulane. And we got him in the third round. I mean, he might be a top 10 talent, too. Who knows? I mean, he, what, what's different between him and Bajon Robinson and Jameer Gibbs? Just the school he went to? I mean, the, the talent. Some, some, car, some cartilage. Yeah, the, the, the trajectory of long-term career, sure, but we're talking about the next four years. Yeah. We might, have got, we might got three, like, top 20 guys in the draft. Pretty much every draft pundit saying the Titans got, like, an A or an A+. plus. They, they did say they, did they draft a wide receiver at any point? Yeah, that guy we got in the seventh round from UT Martin, kind of a stud. Okay. He had, like, 150 yards against our no Oh, that secondary. guy. That guy. They drafted him. Okay. okay. Apparently, he run, like, a 4-4. It was, like... Kind of long and explosive. Like I think that might be a good guy. I don't know. He's a seventh round pick. I don't have high hopes for him, but got a really good chance of making the roster because he's the only wide receiver we have. Yeah, I tuned. The, I start paying attention to the draft after uh, Byron Young got drafted. Which, by the way, that video of the Rams calling Byron Young was really awesome. I thought. Really yeah, I cool. like seeing people get to uh, you know achieve something big and live out their dream. It became a meme. It became a meme. But Byron Young's story is incredible. It is truly, truly amazing. He was an assistant manager at Dollar General and saw an advertisement in the newspaper or whatever. It's truly an amazing story. It became a meme because every broadcast talked about it. But they talked about it because it was an incredible story. So it was really awesome to see him get that phone call. I thought that was very cool. I guess that's my thoughts about Tennessee being in the draft. Was That was uh, good for Byron Young. A really awesome story. I did like the run of Vols. We had like three draft yeah. and like five picks. That was kind of cool. So only Alabama had like more draft picks in the first like 75 or 77 or whatever than us, right? Yep. Yep. Which, Which is crazy. It's crazy, crazy, but also didn't necessarily make me feel great about Georgia. <laughs> Do they just like keep a bunch of talent? I was thinking they'd have more people, people drafted. Are those guys just all like underclassmen that came back to school or what? Well, they, the, the main people they lost was the year before on defense, right? Well, I, well yeah, no, I know, but like I thought maybe they'd lose some guys the next year too. But I guess they, they lost, lost very many. They lost two starters on the defensive line. Sure, I mean two studs, but still. Yeah, still. Um, yeah, they return a lot. Yeah, I mean, I when guess I kept, when I kept seeing that we lost more than them, I was like, wait, hold on, that doesn't seem right. Yeah, and then you look at their schedule, and it's just like, yeah, eleven and one at the minimum. Yeah, sleepwalking. They could sleepwalk to eleven and one. Said the same thing about their schedule last year, and it came to fruition. They like Missouri's the only one who made them sweat. What a joke! Let's get us some patron questions. Patreon.com/slash Reeds Ranch. For the love of God, we need new patrons. I I have goals to hit. Help my New Year resolution. Sign up. Patreon.com/slash Reeds Ranch. Let's hit some questions. Brother AJ asks, "What's the most comforting thing on a cool early summer day?" I think just jumping in the pool. 
Yeah, for sure. Jumping in a pool and then just kind of lounging around, getting down and crab walking in the pool, keeping your shoulders above the water. That's it to me. I mean, I love the pool. Yeah, pools are great. Some might say the lake. Some might say the ocean, blah, blah, blah. Just give me a nice pool. Pools are great. He also asked me what's a fiction book series I should start reading. I will give you the best book I have read this year, which is Five Decembers. That's a book you should read, AJ. It's a it's a murder mystery set around uh, Pearl Harbor. Spans five Decembers um, from forty one through forty five. It's an it's an amazing book. Did you crack the code? Did I crack the code? You said it's a murder mystery. Did you know who it was going to be? No, I did not. It surprised me actually. It surprised okay. me. It surprised me actually. It's an amazing. It, it won. It won the Edgar Award for best novel. Which Edgar Award is like a Edgar Allan Poe, you know, a famous author. Um, it's a very prestigious award. I thought he wrote poems. Edgar Allan Poe, he 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 wrote stories as well, like the the rape. The Raven's a book. I mean, I thought that was pretty short. Is that is that a? Full it's a short book? story. It's a short story, but I mean, That's it's not still a book. A... It's not. A, it's not a book. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, it was, I thought it was like a short. You know, He's like considered five like. Stanzas. Or not even, I mean, where the fuck, whatever, five, yes, yeah, I'll stand by stanzas, but, like, it's not a book, is it? No, it's a short story, but, like, he's considered one of the greatest, like, American writers. Well, I know that. So that's why it's... That's not named after Maya Angelou. She's considered one of the greatest writers of all time. Um, I, I don't think she's considered quite, I don't, I don't know that, I don't know, she, she was a wonderful poet. I'm just saying neither one of them wrote books, is what I'm saying, it's, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. Edgar Allan Poe didn't write novels, but they have the Edgar Awards named after him. How many pieces did he actually write? Pieces of what? Or just like, yeah, short stories or whatever that are like, because I mean, everyone knows The Raven. Well, is, is there one called like Eleanor or something like that? Or no, is Eleanor a part of The Raven? I'm looking up his bibliography right now. Um, Eleanor, is that the name in The Raven? Is that the girl who died in The Raven? He he did write he did write some novels he did write some novels yeah he did write some novels the narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket sounds riveting and the journal of Julius Rodman I've not read either okay um Annabelle Lee that's what I said not Eleanor Annabelle Lee five December's AJ five December's um Lenore friend of the podcast Mike Palmer read it to Helen he's got like three different ones just named after women. Weird. He loved women. I don't know. We might want to check the lyrics first. It might be about him hating women. Do you think he was a big naturals guy? I thought like they were all big naturals back then. Gravity. A better time. A better time. You know, they say that wearing a bra is actually bad for your breasts. Really? That if you don't wear a bra, your breasts will stay more naturally like fit. And perky, because I've always assumed like if you didn't wear a bra, it'd be like real droopy. But the science says actually, when you wear a bra, ladies, because we got some female listeners, listen up. If when you wear a bra, your your breasts become trained to basically be coddled. You know what I mean? Like they don't have to do the work anymore. Mm-hmm. Basically, like being a, a domesticated cat or domesticated dog. Like think about all the wolves that used to be out there eating their own food, right? They stayed in shape, they stayed strong, and then we started you know feeding them for them. They became fat and lazy. Think of them like English Bulldogs. Ladies, if you wear uh, your bras all the time, your breasts are basically English Bulldogs. 
Did you know that baboons can domesticate dogs? They like know to feed them, like give them some food and stuff. Yeah, yes, they like they have. There have been instances in the wild of baboons domesticating dogs to scare off other animals because the dogs bark when something comes close. So the baboons don't. It's amazing. Baboons can domesticate dogs. Isn't that insane? Anyway, back to English bulldogs. Yeah, I was just saying, ladies, it just it's bad for your breasts to wear bras. That was, you know, I, I imagine the women back in Edgar Allan Poe's days didn't wear bras. I mean, I don't know when the brassiere was created, but I'm imagining it wasn't around the early 1800s, was it? I don't know. I, I don't know. I am not a historian of um, women's undergarments. 1914. There you go. Mary Phelps Jacob. She uh, issued the, the 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 most frequently referenced modern brassiere. She made it by making a by taking two handkerchiefs and to, designed to wear under an evening dress. So yeah, basically she tied two handkerchiefs together to keep her breasts in line. Anyways. Five December's AJ. Five December's AJ. Uh, brother Blue Moon no bras, Ball. Ladies. No bras, ladies. Predictions in the Champions League semis: AC Milan versus Inter, Manchester City versus Real Madrid. So we have an all Italian. We have an all Italian semifinal. I bet Milan is going crazy right now. I bet it is. I bet it is. Who are the good guys? AC or Inter? I, I couldn't tell you. AC is red and, and Inter is blue and black. I guess AC is red and black. What was the other one? Uh, City versus Madrid. Do we think City loses in the semifinals or the finals? Because we know they're losing. We know they're not winning. So are they losing? I don't think they'll beat Madrid. I'm going with Madrid. Gotcha. I agree. I concur with you. Um... Parker says AC Milan is is the good are the good guys. Okay, well I'm going for the bad guys. Give me Inter. Inter versus Madrid final. And then he also would like your thoughts on uh, Richardson to the Colts. I don't want to hate, just for the sake of hating. I do hate the Colts, although much less since they've been pretty irrelevant. I would say that, to me, it was surprising because it seems like their roster is still like in win-now mode, but they drafted a quarterback that seems to be the furthest along from winning now. Mm-hmm. So that just didn't make sense to me. I would have liked Anthony Richardson on the Titans, so I'm not hating. I think Anthony Richardson is an intriguing prospect, but like everybody pretty much said like he'll have to sit for a year. But the Colts, I feel like, are trying to win now. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the roster actually does stink and they're not trying to win now. I, I don't know, but they – I guess they did hire a new coach. They got rid of – at least, you know, they got rid of uh, Reich. And the guy from the Eagles, I mean, that the thing that would scare me is that they hired the guy from the Eagles, the offensive coordinator that kind of gets credit for Jalen Jalen Hurts' development. So, like, if you develop Jalen Hurts and turn him into a pretty good passer, like, you could probably do the same with Anthony Richardson. I think it's a good – I think it's a good – I think it's a good pick. I mean – I don't know if it'll help him win this year, but he's a high-level quarterback. He's no Will Levis, but he's good. He's good. Or he can be good. He's a good prospect. 
that's my thoughts. Those are my thoughts, I should say. Brother Boomer asks, go-to meal at a Mexican restaurant. My go-to meal at a Mexican restaurant is to go to my car and go somewhere else. Okay. Or if I'm at Mexi-Wing, I get the barbecue buffalo fingers, which are basically, Seth, just big chicken tenders drenched in barbecue sauce. Although I will tell you, there's a little Mexican place near the airport here in town, or, you know, in Knoxville. Best barbecue wings I've ever had in my life. Okay. You might not believe me because it's a Mexican restaurant near an airport, but, buddy, those wings are so good. But I don't like any traditional Mexican foods. The texture, the beans. I don't, I don't like eating beans, and, and I just, I don't. So not a taco guy. No, I mean, I can eat a taco, I guess, but I prefer, like, shrimp taco. That doesn't scream Mexican to me, you know what I mean? I do like shrimp tacos, though. My sisters rave about this Asian place at this gas station in Birmingham. So, I mean, a, a Mexican place besides an airport doesn't seem that crazy to me. Yeah, fair enough. Do you have a favorite Mexican uh, meal? A a very a, a, a an enchilada. Chips and salsa. I like a good enchilada. I like a good enchilada. Um, Brother G Man asks. Are you a single paragraph texter or someone who sends multiple short texts in succession? And do you have a strong opinion about the other side? I am. I've been known to do both, but I, more more frequently, I am a multi multi text guy. Oh I yeah, fire off yeah. five or six in a row. Yeah, short thoughts. Because that way you can really get going. And so by the fourth text that you're firing off in that, you're really, really saying things that you're going to regret by that point. Well, plus, if you're having a conversation, there's nothing worse than watching somebody type for so long. Just start firing your thoughts off. It's easier. You don't have to worry about you know uh, grammar and you know punctuation either. I mean, I text with good grammar, but you don't have to worry about, do I need to put a period here? You just send the message. No commas, just send the message. Like, I see a long text. I see, like, a text message that is basically a long paragraph, and I'm just like, you've got to be joking. What is this? Is this Wikipedia? My initial thought is that that meme that's like, I'm not reading all that, happy for you, or, you know, whatever it is. You, you know which one I'm talking about? With the yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not reading There's, all that. Uh, you know. There is nothing more powerful than, like, someone sending you a text message and you just deleting the text and not even reading it, just deleting the entire text thread and not even reading it. That's so, that, that is such a powerful feeling, right? Yeah. Yeah. It really is. Right. Like I, I, do I, that I, one a lot. I feel like I have, like, I don't even know. I don't know why, because I, I don't even have read receipts on. So, but like seeing, like just getting it and deleting it and not even reading it. Like that text message is existing in the ether. And the other person doesn't even have a clue. Like, it is it is an all-time powerful feeling. It is just, man, I don't know what it is. I don't know why it is, but it is. It makes me feel like that, that other meme where the guy's rising above everybody. Like, the sources I made it up guy. That, that's how I feel like when I just delete the, the text thread without reading it. Just ascending over, over that person to a different plane of existence. 
where you have said something really mean to me that's going to make me mad, but I haven't been bothered to even read it. So I don't get mad at all. It's like Schrodinger's cat. I never saw the cat was dead because I just rose above it. So that cat's just sitting there dead, and I, I couldn't be bothered to, to look at it. So I don't know what you said to me. Some mean stuff, but didn't affect me at all. I went right about my day. It's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. It is. It's a, it's a powerful, powerful feeling. You can't really do that, G-Man, if someone's sending multiple messages because they keep popping up. But if they if they are a long paragraph texter, swipe, delete. If you try to swipe and delete a multi-texter, you're going to get seven different text threads. You're going to have to delete it seven different times. Any other questions? Brother Vulcan asks, if you had to get a penis tattoo, what would you have done? What's your answer? He was asking you. He was asking you. Specifically, he was asking you. So don't get mad at me. I'm just the messenger. It says, John, if you had to get a penis tattoo, what would you have done? I would get Shorty's truck stop in Knoxville, Tennessee. Get it? Because when it gets hard, it gets longer. <laughs> so when it was flaccid, it would say Shorty. But then when it got hard, it would say more stuff. You get it? That's the joke. It's like a flag unfurling. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You'd be like, oh, Shorty, I get it. But then when it's long, you'd be like, oh, wow, Shorty's truck stop in Knoxville, Tennessee. Wow. What a hog. That's what I would say if I saw it. Say what? I would say what a hog when that flag unfurled. Precisely. Precisely. <sighs> that would hurt. Is that a thing? Do people do that? Penis tattoos? Well, I'm sure there's plenty of weirdos that get penis tattoos. I don't, I don't, I don't know any. I mean, I've seen my fair share of hogs in my day, but I ain't never seen any tattoos <laughs> on them. But I'm sure somebody's done it. You ever see a hog that just makes you go, "Wow"? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's, I do remember in high uh, in high school. Going over to my friend's house and his dad getting out of the shower, <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't know he didn't know I was there, and he, he had a big old hammer. And I, was, I do whenever you ask that question, I did picture his penis. So yeah, I guess I have monster hog. He had he had a hammer, and he did not have any shame. He didn't know that I was there, and he didn't care. He's like, "What the fuck are you looking at?" And just kept <laughs> I was like, "Well." Good for you, man. <laughs> no, that's that's all I've got. All right, I love you. Appreciate everybody. Talk to you next week. See I ya. love you too, buddy. Bye bye. He's got a cross on his neck, but he spends some days in my bed. He's my blue jean little baby with a halo on his head. He's got lips like cherry wine and cigarette smoke on his breath. He's got pretty long brown hair, green eyes that look like sex. Knees down at your altar. Please don't fail me. American Jesus, baby Won't you take me to heaven tonight? You know you're my weakness American Jesus, save me You're the greatest love of my life
Oh, oh. 